you have everything positioned and such? Uh, I believe so. Uh, let me pull this up a little bit more into my grill here. Okay. Does that sound good? Yes. <clears throat> Does that sound good? Uh, no. <laughs> I don't know if any other podcasters are as flimmy as I am. <laughs> Hopefully you can win an award for that. Most flimmy. Maybe I should like gargle before every show. Will that clear anything out? Uh, I don't know. It would back when I had that uh, hole in my mouth. Oh, yeah. The the hole that the flies used to crawl through? Uh-huh. Um, it's been healed, though. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's a, just a quick update. Well, there we go. We've got the uh, cutting-edge news hot from the presses. It's been fine for months. I just forgot about it until now. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, that's a good sign, then. The fact that you've been able to forget about it. Sometimes I try to, like, force fluid through it, but it won't go anymore. <laughs> How sad. Yeah, it was disgusting. <laughs> um, <laughs> it was disgusting, the Jeremy story. It was wonderful, the friendship of Boston Jeremy story. Uh, aw. Yeah. Uh, we're starting 2021 with some really uh, sweet stuff. So, uh, Are we? I don't know. I mean, that was really sweet what you just said. Oh, okay. Like tender, not like fucking sick. Uh, yes. Okay. Yeah. I guess. Yeah. Let's let it roll. All right. Well, uh, welcome once again to the Raincoat Report. This is Boss here with Jeremy. Hello. And uh, Jeremy already has uh, enough uh, various intoxicants in his system to... Uh, make this recording difficult so i'm gonna propel it forward <laughs> excellent uh how would you rate the stiffness of that bourbon and coke um uh, it's pretty good i've taken quite a sip um i kind of forgot you put bourbon in it until i put it up to my face to drink it for the first time and that was all that i could smell <laughs> excellent well that's what we're going for. Excellent. Um, yes, we can have many of them. I think there's still a huge bottle of bourbon. Yeah. So we'll get very sloppy, perhaps. Yes. But sloppy. maybe we'll just be powered by this single one. I don't know yet. We got some work to do. Yeah, we'll uh, we'll give you guys an update as we get further into the episode, unless we get too drunk to remember to do that. So uh, you have that to look forward to today. You also have today the uh, 1973 film Fleshpot on 42nd Street to look forward to. Fleshpot on 42nd Street is directed by cult director Andy Milligan. Mm -hmm. I haven't seen a lot of his work, but it's uh, it comes up in things that I read quite often. Um, I've seen this film of his. Uh, Vinegar Syndrome also put out a double feature of two of his... Uh, less explicit, though somewhat sexploitation-y films, mm -hmm. uh, Seeds and Vapors. The Seeds the one about incest? Yes. We should do that one soon. Let's learn a little bit about incest. No, let's not do it. There, there are better <clears throat> films that we can watch uh, about incest. I didn't particularly like Seeds when I saw it. I don't remember the details about it too much to say exactly why. I just felt like it kind of dragged a bit. It planted no seeds in your mind. Uh, yeah. Uh, and then there was also Vapors was the other feature on that disc. Uh, and it's about a guy in a gay bathhouse. Uh, I remember it being a little more interesting. But yeah. So uh, he is known for a lot of exploitation-y films. I think more horror than sexually exploitative films, but he definitely had a period of those. Uh, and this is a, actually a hardcore film, sort of. Yeah. Um, it is, but it just like kind of barely gets there. There's also a softcore cut of this film that's like a couple minutes shorter oh. that uh, cuts out, I mean, not really a whole lot of the movie. <laughs> yeah. Some shots of Harry Reem's genitals yeah and I, I mean balls, i guess maybe I, yeah i guess so i haven't actually seen it to confirm but considering the level of hardcoreness or lack of hardcoreness in this film it wouldn't really take a whole lot to 
get it down to a more uh, uh, societally acceptable film level, I guess. Even though it's still going to be a grimy ass movie, <laughs> <laughs> sure is. So, uh, yeah, Andy Milligan. Um, just doing my little bit of IMDb and uh, Wikipedia research uh-huh. here. Uh, Andy Milligan was born in 1929. Uh, he actually died in 91, age 62, of complications from AIDS. Uh, apparently at this point in his life he was fairly poor okay uh didn't go out quite so great so that's sure. a bummer yeah that's you know you can kind of see it in his work <laughs> he was on the street level his whole life uh one certainly uh-huh. a common factor of his work is uh characters yelling at each other like his movies, the ones that I've seen, and from what I've heard people say online, that's that's quite a common theme. Is just a bunch of angry people yelling at each other. Yeah, there's a lot of that too. Um, yeah, but it's his signature. <laughs> as far as they go, it's not bad to have. <laughs> so uh, that's uh, that's some good stuff. But this is an interesting film that is set against the backdrop of you know, as the title implies, Forty Second Street. The uh, grimy 70s New York Times Square-ish area. So we get a lot of that uh, filth that we hear about when learning about the history of pornography in New York. Uh, we get a lot of that kind of on display as the backdrop of this film. And uh, some crazy stuff happens, and we'll get into that in a moment. Um, as always, follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Raincoat Report. Rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or whatever platforms you have. Uh, feel free to send us money, raincoatreport at gmail.com. Yeah, we love money. Um, or, you know, if you want to contact us, ask us questions, if whatever. If you want to send us old porn, um, we'll get you some mailing details. Just get in contact. Uh, yes. You know, whatever out there. Uh, no letter bombs, please. Uh, and nothing covered in semen or um, other bodily fluids. It'll be, it'll become, I'll have it come to me. So I'm, uh, I'm willing to negotiate that. <laughs> so, you know, write a note and tell me first, you know, just slap something on the front of it. This, <clears throat> this is covered in cum. Yeah. Thank you. I'll, I'll put on my, my dish, my dish gloves first. Uh, and then you'll uh, go back and put them back in the kitchen for your mom to use. Yes. Excellent. Um, it's what she deserves for letting me find nude photos of her. Girl! <laughs> for allowing that to happen to me yeah <laughs> she definitely deserves that so yeah do all of that stuff um how's uh how's work been going for you uh kneeled in gum oh, today, yeah. which really made me mad because you're supposed to have a mask on so you shouldn't be able to spit gum on the ground in the first place you know who spits gum on the ground in the middle just like an aisle at a store right i think it was probably a child yeah, but I don't like these unruly children. I don't like having customers. Yeah, I think that's probably the worst part of any position where there's a customer service aspect is the customer service aspect. Yeah, it's miserable. <laughs> <clears throat> I had to blow up. Most of my day was spent blowing up balloons. I'm kind of also like a balloon merchant. Oh, okay. So that's how I kind of prefer to uh, like. On like LinkedIn and on my resume and stuff, I'm gonna write that I'm a balloon merchant. <laughs> oh, okay. Which is a little more exotic than like stalker cashier. Yeah. Um, but that's weak. <laughs> <laughs> uh, excellent. Well, I just wanted to. Uh... It's like a balloon, sir. <laughs> Do you are you blowing it up with like helium or something? Yeah, I had to switch the tanks. I had to switch the tanks today, and. Uh... He's like, he's like, oh, we're sorry when you're away. And I was like, it's cool. I was like, I don't know what I'm doing, so I might blow us up. So, <laughs> you know, you might want to back up. And they did. <laughs> hey, you know, any excuse you can have to make people back away from you, we'll yeah. go for it. Yeah, they shouldn't be so close to me. <laughs> that's uh, that's what the police said. The, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and their famous song... <laughs> You shouldn't be so close to me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you should get the hell away from me. Yes. That's what they said. Um, 
I thought you meant the the real police at first. Oh no, I was talking about Sting and Company. Well, I figured it out pretty quickly, but my first thought was like, the police never said that to me. <laughs> they were like, "You have to go with us now, sir." <laughs> oh boy! So I'm uh, gonna take a quick break, come back and talk flesh. Uh, yeah, let's talk a little flesh here. Uh, we'll take a quick break and then we'll talk flesh. Yeah. You gonna make dinner for me? What do you want? I got some franks and beans. God, I'd love some steak. Well, honey, maybe if you could get a job, we could afford some here steak. Here we go again. <laughs> well, baby, I told you when you moved in here, you have to help out. Now, it's been three months and I ain't seen a goddamn nickel yet. What do you want me to do? Go out and hustle? Is that what you want? I could get you some money that way. Why can't you go to work? I will. Don't push me. Dusty, I cannot afford the two of us. Will you turn off that goddamn TV set? Look, I can't just go to work like all these creeps around here. I gotta like a job or I can't do it. Dusty, you're a grown woman now. You just can't roam through life doing exactly what you want to do. You want to bet? I don't want to destroy your voice. <laughs> I want to overtake the podcast. I think that if one thing was going to happen to ruin this podcast, it would be your your overtaking. I'm <laughs> <laughs> just going to release the unfiltered stream every week. It's the um, raw, raw stuff. None of the good like transitions or anything like that. You're the most dangerous man in podcasting. I think I could be. Um, <laughs> I was listening to a podcast about Alex Jones and his nutraceuticals empire, which is great because I didn't. The first time I heard that term was when we were watching Gigolos and Brace kept trying to sell them to people. Right. Oh, is is that is it really like is is yeah it they just, call them nutra yeah they call them nutraceuticals. Excellent. Yeah. <laughs> the FDA doesn't um, do anything with those products. Right. Yeah. It's a delightful little scam. Um, I have some thoughts that we could probably sell, uh, like sketchy, like boner pills. Oh yeah, and that's just where all the money comes from. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Yeah, we'll talk about it later. Yeah, we've got to fund the empire. Yeah, the, the raincoat empire. Yes. <laughs> uh, it all starts right now. Uh, yes. So let's go ahead and fund the Empire by talking about Flesh Pot on 42nd Street. How much money did this movie make, do you think? Probably not a lot. I don't know, because it's weird, because at this this point in the early 70s, it was a point where like anything that was like pornographic made money, like no matter what almost. But this is kind of like on that fence between like exploitation movie and porn. So I don't know where it kind of landed. I'm sure it was profitable because it doesn't seem like there was like a ton of money spent on the production. No, part of it was shot in like it's like a shipyard or not a shipyard, like a truck yard. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, indeed. The film opens with a bunch of shots in New York City and we get credits and... Uh, we end up following Tony home, where he meets Dusty, his roommate lover. Yeah, Dusty, played by uh, Laura Cannon, alumni yes. of the podcast. Yes, she was in uh, Dark Dreams as the Whipped Cream Girl. Okay. And also in, uh, was it Altar of Lust? Yeah, Altar of Lust is Linda, the lesbian uh, love interest. Yes. Oh, Fred Lincoln shows up, too, eventually. Oh, yeah. It's a real Altar of Lust reunion <laughs> it really is we get introduced to dusty with tony and uh dusty's living with tony uh and he was expecting her to get a job at some point but uh she has not yet in the time that she's lived with him and uh so there's uh, a lot of financial concerns at this point yeah uh, uh, she wants steak but uh he can't afford steak because she's not bringing in any money no, she's, so they have to eat beans, I think? She's being very uh, ridiculous about not getting a job. Yeah, she's <laughs> almost as bad as you. Yeah. 
I kind of was like, I kind of look up to her a little bit at first, <laughs> but then some of her later behavior, uh, I don't know if I would condone it necessarily. Yeah. But I think it was a good path for her. Yes. So, uh, Dusty seems to think that she should only have the expectation of her that she has sex with Tony and that everything beyond that, you know, isn't necessary. Yeah. Um, yes, yes. Which I feel like you have to have a more explicit agreement between people for that to be an okay way of handling the uh, responsibilities financially in a home. Yeah, I don't think it just works on an assumption. Right. So, uh, eventually, they end up having sex with one another. Tony's about to go back to work, so I guess he's on his lunch break or something like that. Yeah, he brought food home for her to cook that she refused to cook. Uh, yeah. (laughs) He wants her to clean the house, and, uh... She is reluctant to do so, but finally as he goes to go back to work, she agrees to do so, but she wants some money before he leaves, so he uh, gives it to her on the condition that she'll pick up a bit around the house, and she says that's okay. So so he leaves and says, see you later, and as soon as he walks out and shuts the door, she says something to the effect of, not if I see you first, you son of a bitch. Yeah. And then, so, she ransacks the place, steals a radio, a TV, and some jewelry. Yeah, yeah. And leaves with the money she uh, that Tony gave her. Do you think the lighting isn't necessarily bad in this apartment? Uh, <laughs> yeah. It's very dark. Yeah. Well, I think that that, uh, that helps get across grimy New York. I guess it does, but I was like, I'm having trouble seeing some of what's happening. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so she leaves and immediately goes to, I guess, a pawn shop. Which is also very dark. Uh, yes, another dark location for her dark doings. Oh, yeah. Uh, she meets up with Sammy, the guy who uh, works at the pawn shop, and wants to sell the radio and the TV. And uh, he tells her that it's not going to be worth much money and... Uh, she wants 40 bucks, and he does not want to give her that much. But he finally agrees to give her 50 bucks if uh, she goes into the back room with him. I don't go into the back room with him, but um, <laughs> I think it becomes apparent that they have had they have some sort of relationship uh, yes. that's dependent on this. Yes, it seems that this is not the first time something like this has happened between yeah. them. Uh, so... He eventually agrees after she haggles the price up to uh, $55. Right. Uh, At one point he says, that's a whole lot of money. And she says, that's a lot of ass. He says that he needs to go to the bathroom real quick. And she tells him not to put soap on it this time if he's washing it. Yeah. Because it burns her. Uh, Yeah, I would imagine. Yeah, he just doesn't wipe it off. Uh, yeah, he you just gotta, leaves you gotta, it on. Yeah, you gotta rinse that stuff off. There's no <laughs> point in using it anyway if you're not gonna rinse it off. Yeah. It's like it forms a protective layer around his dick. Yeah. <laughs> washes as she fucks him so he doesn't get any uh, venereal diseases. Oh, yeah, that's how that works. Yeah, it's better than using a condom. Yes, it's just science. Yeah, especially as the condoms we've seen from this period were just kind of like paper cups. Right. <laughs> So uh, they go into the back room, and she wants her money up front. So uh, he tells her to turn away, and he gets into his stash, which is in this little teapot or something that he has over off to the side. But she kind of peeks out of her out of the corner of her eye and sees where he's got the money while he's turned away. Uh, but then he hands her the money, and then he starts to go down on her, and things fade out. So they've apparently had sex. Uh, things fade back up to them. Uh, he's getting dressed again, and she mentions that she's hungry uh, and asks him if he can pick something up for her. He offers to take her to lunch, but she's insistent, saying that she needs to make a phone call. So currently we're being attacked by a car parade? Uh, yeah, we just had to stop there for a second because <laughs> uh, we were trying to figure out what was going on because we could just hear crazy horns. Yeah, just honking. 
I wanted to make sure nobody had crashed onto my front lawn and was just laying on their horn or something, but apparently uh, people are just driving around the neighborhood wailing on their horns right now, so... Yeah, um... It's a very New York City thing to happen. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, They're all celebrating something or another, it seems like, and they're doing laps, so we're just going to press on. Yeah, if you hear a bunch of horns in the background, it's because these people have nothing better to do. Quarantine has melted everyone's brain, and we're not even really under a quarantine anymore. Right. We're just like, brains are melted. It's too late. (laughs) It's too late for us (laughs) as a human race. Yeah. At least as a country. Um, All right. Uh, Get back in the tales of uh, Dusty Cole. uh, Yeah, so Dusty tells Sammy that uh, she wants him to get her some food, and... uh, He offers to take her out to eat, but she says that she has to make a phone call, so she wants him to go get food. So he finally agrees to do so, and uh, she says she's going to go across the street. Uh, When he is not looking, she grabs a key from his coat, I guess, or his pants, maybe. Yeah, she just pickpockets him. Yeah, she pickpockets a key. Uh, And so he leaves and she follows him out saying she's going to go across the street to use the phone. Uh, But as soon as he turns away, she turns back around and lets herself in with the key and uh, ransacks the dude's stash of uh, money. So we see Dusty continuing throughout her day and this is when she comes across Cherry. Uh, Cherry is her cross-dressing friend Mm -hmm. who uh, is also a hooker. Yes. And as we'll learn, a racist. <laughs> uh, yes. So uh, Cherry offers to go eat with Dusty. So they chit-chat a bit at a at a bar or restaurant. Probably a bar. <laughs> One of the lines that Cherry says is, You can't suck a cock in this town without a cop looking over your shoulder. Yeah, I wrote that down too. That's a good line. <laughs> Cherry mentions that he's living in a hole-in-a-wall apartment, and Dusty offers to be Cherry's roommate. They chit-chat a bit, talk about their friend Hal going to jail for hitting a cop. Uh, So they get back to Cherry's apartment, and Dusty talks to her about the rules of the place, but basically Cherry wants to be able to bring over her or his Johns at any point. And uh, Dusty then suggests that maybe they could team up and turn tricks together. Uh, It's about this time that one of Cherry's tricks shows up, uh, Jimmy. Uh, Cherry talks to Jimmy, says that he was supposed to show up some other time, like tomorrow or in a couple days or something. But uh, Jimmy says that he has a hard-on now. What's he supposed to do, shut it in a window? (laughs) So uh, Dusty offers to leave. Um, I want to do a quick backtrack. Yeah. Um, when they're talking, when it's just Cherry and Laura kind of just talking, uh-huh. um, they talk politics for a second. And uh, she's like, oh, uh, but Cherry's like, in a couple of years, I'll have uh, camps for old people. <laughs> um, which is what a nurse at the psych hospital told me once. Oh, yeah? Yeah, and one of the nurses. Um <laughs> when I was like, I was, she's like, oh, the Democrats are going to, if they get in, they're just going to send all the old people to the camps. <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay, cool. Um, when I told this to someone else, they're like, well, both parties are corrupt. And I was like, that's not really the point. Right. <laughs> so um, hookers and nurses share a lot of the same opinions is what I'm driving at. That makes sense. There's yeah. there's probably a lot of crossover there. Yeah, there's a lot of naughty nurses out there. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Jimmy, who came there for Cherry, seems very interested in Dusty. So, Cherry and Dusty go into another room and talk, and Dusty offers to uh, turn the trick with Jimmy. And Cherry is like, all right. So, Cherry says that... He's weird, but with her experience with Tony, it shouldn't be anything she can't handle, whatever that means. So, Cherry leaves, and uh, Dusty talks to Jimmy. 
So Jimmy tries to like bend Dusty over like a desk or table or something, and yeah. she's like, you know, she's not into that. She no. wants to do it in bed, like civilized animals, is what she says. Yes. He pulls her into the bed and mounts her, and she uh, reacts saying that he's hurting her. And then she just totally clams up and stops reacting together. Yeah. Uh, this enrages Jimmy. Yeah. Who then gets up and gets his belt. He calls her a bitch and then tells her to turn over and whips her with the belt. Uh, she yells out and this fades out. And yeah. it fades back to them after their encounter. Yeah, and it's worth noting the belt obviously never hits her. Uh, like <laughs> yes. when he goes to swing it, like you kind of see him like fall across her and then it cuts to like just like him standing over her with the belt but yeah. you, you don't see her in the shot right it's a real cop out <laughs> that they didn't hit her with a belt yes <laughs> so uh they're talking after the encounter and he asks if she's all right and she says she's good um she asks about his wife uh he talks about her being irish catholic and she says it makes sense that you guys are Irish Catholic. Irish Catholic people are always weird like that. <laughs> then she goes on this tirade about how American men need to train their women to want to have sex with them and be assertive. And Yeah, where is she from? Yeah, I don't know. She <clears throat> definitely called spe- specified, though, American men. Yeah, um, I feel like this is maybe Andy Milligan like editorializing a bit through her because he also talks, there's like a real like quick blip about men's rights uh, yeah <laughs> so uh yeah so she goes on this very anti-feminist rant yeah uh but she gives a little bit of her background while she's talking uh talking about how she was briefly married for a few months when she was 16 after all of this eventually jimmy asks if she's going to be available on friday and explains that he's having a get together with some friends and she cuts him off saying that she's not into gangbangs he says that it's not like that. His friends were going to play cards, but they wanted to have a girl over to take care of them. Uh, they start to negotiate money, and she wants a lot more money than he wants to pay. He notes at one point that they had, as he puts it, a queer. They were going to pay 30 bucks for this job. Yeah. Uh, she wanted $150. Uh, Finally, he accepts that offer. Uh, she made sure that uh, it was one at a time with the men, no gangbang. Uh, and so they go along. As Jimmy's leaving, Cherry comes home. Cherry talks to Dusty a bit. Cherry mentions that they should go see a horror double feature with Torture Dungeon and Bloodthirsty Butchers, which are both Andy Milligan films. Oh, nice. I wondered if they were real, but that's even better. Yes. So, that's fun. Um, Dusty offers to split her money with Cherry. Uh, At first, Cherry says that she doesn't need to do that, but Dusty insists. Cherry asked how she liked Jimmy, and Dusty responded that he was alright, but she's not into the rough stuff. So, we then see Dusty and Cherry at a bar with Billy, who is a, a gay prostitute, I believe. Yeah. Uh, not a cross-dresser like Cherry, no, but... No, it's uh, a gay prostitute. Yes. Billy mentions that he's uh, hard up for money, and Dusty gives him some money and tells him to keep it. Uh, it's about this time that the Simmons sisters show up. <laughs> the Simmons sisters are here just basically just to argue with Cherry. Yeah. Just to give you some of that signature Andy Milligan shouting. Uh, yes. Uh, they talk about how they have an audition for an off-off-Broadway production. Yeah, double-off-Broadway. Uh, yes. Uh, and they have to uh, sing for the audition, so they give a preview of their audition where they sing the Good Ship Lollipop song uh, terribly. Yes, awfully. And we're not really, I guess, you know, talk about it too much, but at this point in the film, uh, I think Cherry's dropped the N-word at least twice. Oh, I think it's this scene specifically. She says it twice. Yeah. Um, she keep, one, of, one of Cherry's... Uh, 
taglines in the film that gets repeated here a couple times and later yeah is uh don't let the n-words hear you yeah <laughs> um i think the film needed a better catchphrase but yeah uh, you know you know ending... recurring lines you could probably do better than that yeah <laughs> <laughs> so yeah after they sing cherry makes a comment that they should get a flesh-colored rubber band to uh uh tie them together and mentioned that P.T. Barnum made tons of money off of his fat lady twins. Uh, so one of them slaps Cherry, and they start to scuffle, and the bartender makes them settle down. After this explosion, uh, they notice a guy at the bar and think that he looks lost because he seems like a, a classier guy than would normally be in this uh, particular place. Yeah. So they kind of argue amongst themselves, and Dusty calls dibs on him. Yeah. So she goes over, and it's who else but the teacher, Harry Reams. Excellent. I was very excited to uh, see him pop up. Yes. Uh, sans mustache at this point in his career still. Yes. Haven't figured that one out yet. Yeah. Now, this film came out after Deep Throat, and he had a mustache in Deep Throat. I'm thinking maybe this was probably made before. Perhaps. Yeah. Or maybe he shaved after Deep Throat, and he's like, oh, people keep coming up to me on the street. I'm trying to tug mustache. Right. And he just wasn't comfortable with that level of fame just yet. <laughs> right. So uh, Harry Reams is playing Bob, who's a lawyer from Staten Island. Uh, he's his, working his way up. Yeah, his credit in the film is also as a Bob. Oh, yeah. Yeah, like no one has like their real name attached to this, it looks like. Yeah, he's... Yeah. Yeah, he's Bob. <laughs> he's Bob. The Book of Bob. One of the he has, early chapters of the Gospel of the Teacher. <laughs> the Book of Bob, yes. Yeah. Uh, he asks if she's ever been to Staten Island, and she says something about having gone there once and then immediately turned around and getting back on the ferry. He tells her that she should check it out sometime, and she asks if that's an invitation. And he says, why not? And they take off. Cherry and the Simmons sisters note that Dusty worked quickly and left with who they see as her John here. Uh, Cherry notes that Dusty has class, something the two of you know nothing about. They get in a cab, and he gives a little bit of his backstory about how his mother died and left him the house that he's living in now. Uh, and she talks about her relationship with her mother, and it's not good. Uh, she, at one point she says she was the type who never even went to the bathroom, if you know what I mean. And I don't know what she meant by that. She didn't, you know, she, maybe she was like a proper lady and she didn't fart her shit. Oh, okay. Yeah, I don't know. That's, um, like I, I hear about people like that, <laughs> you know, that like get like real mad, like if you fart yeah. or something, but I've never really, I don't run with the class of people. Right. Um, so I don't really know anyone like that. So it's also a mystery to me. Uh, yes. So they end up showing up at uh, Bob's house. Dusty's looking around the place. Uh, she compares herself to a statue. Uh, and he talks about how she's prettier than the statue and so on and so forth. Uh, he mentions something about perhaps selling the house. And she suggests he should move to Manhattan. He makes her some coffee and offers her cake, which she turns down, saying she's on a diet. He asks if she's going to stay the night, and she says she just wants to have her coffee and get to business. Uh, she says that she likes him, but her friends would be worried, and he mentions, oh, he, he just kind of thought she might spend the night and said that nobody spent the night before with him uh, at this place. Is it this point where I wondered if Bob was maybe going to try to murder her? <laughs> but he's just... Uh... In like a real Richard Gere, pretty woman situation where he's just a lawyer playing uh, Captain save -a basically. <laughs> uh, yes, exactly. So uh, he looks into her eyes and she turns away. He asks her why and she says that she doesn't want him to look too close. He talks her into turning back around and he says that he sees a girl who's been around and seen more than most. Um, they end up making out and go upstairs and undress and climb into bed. Uh, it's here that we see a little bit of hardcore penetration. Not much. Not much, but you do see his erect uh, genitals. Yes, you do. And we're grateful for that. 
So, uh, neg- what if <laughs> Andy Milligan just, uh, he made, he put this film together before Deep Throat, and then he he had like the hardcore footage that he didn't use. Mm-hmm. But then he saw like how big uh, Deep Throat was, and he's like, "Oh, I got this! I can <laughs> slap just a little bit of hairy dick in it, and uh, you know, make a nice uh, payday." A little bit of hairy dick. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, it's a quite a commodity at that point in time. Some yeah. hairy dick. Some, yeah, it's good stuff. You could print money with it. <laughs> So, uh, we fade back into them in bed, and uh, they talk a little bit, and she says that he doesn't know anything about her. Uh, They chat a bit, and she tells him that she hustles for a living. He tells her that he does, too, and she says that's not what she means. But uh, he seems to understand what she's telling him. Pretty woke. Yep. He's like, we're all just selling our bodies, you know? Right. He seems really supportive of her and uh, mentions he'd like it if she was around more. So she ends up finishing his cigarette in bed as we fade out. We fade into Cherry uh, in his apartment singing and doing his nails. He answers the phone and talks to Dusty on the phone. Uh, Cherry says that he was about to go looking for her. Dusty tells Cherry that she likes Bob, the guy that she met. Last night, uh, she explains to Cherry, since Cherry doesn't know who Bob is. I shouldn't have said that part. (laughs) Uh, Anyhow. Uh, Oh, this bourbon and coke. Um, So Cherry suggests that Dusty takes what she can from Bob and uh, run. Cherry says that she'll come help her carry things. Yeah, and... I really would have been... That would have been a cool angle to just her continuing her crime wave. Right. But uh, Dusty says that she really likes him and doesn't want to rob him. Cherry seems to be upset with all of this and says that uh, he needs to be her mother and talk some sense into her. So we see Cherry and Dusty eating outside. Cherry's trying to get Dusty to think twice about trying to settle down with this guy. Cherry drops her shut up or the N-words will hear you uh, line again. Yeah. I can't remember what the line was there. Uh, It's not good. No. Uh, So uh, as they're talking, Cherry spots a John and uh, goes up to chat him up. The guy says that he's interested in Cherry's friend, but Cherry keeps the attention on him. So this guy invites Cherry to join him in checking out this truck over there. So uh, he runs off to this the back of this semi-truck, and Cherry stops to talk to Dusty for a second. But Dusty tells Cherry that that seems like the kind of guy you got to act fast with. So Cherry runs over to meet his John in the semi-trailer. So Cherry gets down and pulls out the guy's cock and starts to blow him. Uh, we just see the back of Cherry's head. Yeah. Uh, But as this is going on, Cherry's wig comes off. You do see some hanging dong, too. Uh, Yes, yes, Yes. you do. Uh, Cherry's wig comes off, and the guy freaks out. Says, for Christ's sake, get out of here, and sends Cherry off. Did you think he really couldn't tell that Cherry was, like, a man in a bad wig? I don't know. I think it might be one of those things where, like, maybe he knew, but as soon as the illusion started to be broken, he yeah. started to feel bad about it. Yeah, he just felt... Being gross. conflicted in his sexuality in yeah, some way. it really messed him up. <laughs> he had a real <laughs> cry in that trailer afterwards. Right. So he's like, who am I? Cherry says that he must not have liked the color of my wig. <laughs> So they return to Cherry's apartment, and Cherry says that Dusty sounds like a high school girl talking about Bob. Then Cherry finally becomes vulnerable for a moment and admits that Cherry is jealous of Dusty and wishes that he had real love like uh, Dusty does, or Dusty feels like she does at least. But Cherry talks about his experiences and notes that he likes living in drag, but, you know, there's a lot of hardships that have come across uh, along the way as well. So Dusty tells Cherry that she wants to change some things about herself and that Bob's the best thing to happen to her. 
So Cherry asks if she's going to play house with him. And, you know, uh, apparently Dusty does. So uh, Cherry then asks Dusty if she's going to keep her date tonight, which is the group affair with Jimmy and his friends. Yes, the card game, the much-awaited card game. Yes, so Dusty doesn't want to, but Cherry talks her into it one last time because Dusty, uh, because Cherry could use the money. So we then cut to this card game, and the guys are arguing with each other, thinking that uh, the girl's not going to show up, but Jimmy keeps asserting that she will. They make mention that she probably is a dog, but... Uh, <laughs> Jimmy says that she's only 20 and she ain't no dog. She's a knockout. They send Jimmy to get some beers just in time to answer the door and let Dusty in. Uh, she asks where the room is and they point it out. Because uh, it was one at a time and in a separate room. Yes. That was that was the other uh, condition of this meeting. So they point out the room and she asks who's first. And they're like, just like that? And she says that she told him that she would only be there for an hour and a half, so they need to get the show on the road. Yeah, it's time to fuck. So... The nut up or shut up. Exactly. So the first guy comes in and he fucks her and uh, things go well. Yeah. Uh, as far as, you know, fucking the first in a train of guys goes. Yeah, I mean, it's probably the best position unless you like sloppy seconds. Uh, yes. Yeah. So... Uh, <laughs> So he goes out and sends the next guy in, and the next guy to come in is Jimmy from earlier. He yeah. undresses, and he starts to kind of lurk around the room and taunt her for a bit. Uh, and then he finally gets his belt out, and she's like, yeah, you're not going to do that again. So she gets up and says she's going to get the hell out of here. So Jimmy snatches her and starts to slap her, but she breaks free and takes off. Yeah, everybody's got to hold him back. Yeah, yeah, his friends hold him back as she takes off. So we cut from there to the bar where Cherry, uh, Billy, and the Simmons sisters are there talking to one another. Uh, they talk about money and they talk about uh, Dusty. Uh, one of the Simmons sisters says that she didn't know that Dusty liked gangbangs. Cherry's talking to them and then Cherry starts to talk trash about Dusty. And that's about the time that Dusty shows off up and hears Cherry talking all this trash. Dusty comes up and gives Cherry a handful of money that she has and says that Cherry needs it more than she does. And Cherry says, fuck you. And Dusty says she already has and slaps Cherry in the face and leaves. <laughs> uh, she Cherry then asks one of the sisters if her makeup's okay. <laughs> So then we see Dusty show up at Bob's. Bob was in bed, but answers the door. And he says that he expected to see her last night, but he takes her in and asks if she missed him, and she says she did. Notes that it's hard for her to say something like that. So You're right. There is going to be a lot of sweet stuff this year. Yes. 2021, <laughs> the year of sweetness. <laughs> uh just a reminder that the first episode of 2021 was The Defiance of Good, so very oh, yeah. sweet film. <laughs> yes. Oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> it's not out yet. It'll uh, be out then. It'll be out by the time anybody hears this. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> unless time gets all reversed. Yeah, that would be a bummer. It jumps out of sync. It would be. It would just make things a lot more difficult. It'd be hard to plan if you don't know what's going to happen next. It would destroy the reality of cause and effect. Yes. Yes. Maybe we've got a concept for a movie here. All right, let's go. Let's uh, shut the podcast <laughs> down. Let's go start filming in your backyard right now. Uh, yes, we'll do that. Dusty and Bob make out and get into the bed and fuck. We get a, a little bit of hardcore-ish footage here as well. Uh, then we see them in the tub together, and they're uh, joking around and having fun, and uh, they get out and fuck again. Yeah, and then the mean eagles, I got soap in my eyes! Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, we then see Bob leaving for work for the day, and Dusty says that she's going to walk to the ferry with him. 
he notes that she doesn't have a scarf, and he's going to get her a scarf today since she doesn't have one. So they walk down the sidewalk, and he's running, and she's chasing her. And then he steps out into the street and sort of gets hit by a car. Yeah, he gets bumped and dies. Yeah, and immediately dies. So That um, was a turn I wasn't expecting, though. So I will say that this was the second time that I watched this movie. But the first time I watched this movie, when that happened, I laughed out loud. Yeah. It's I like, just burst into laughter. It's just a very funny twist. Yeah, it, it came out of nowhere. The effect looks really bad. And it's just like, oh, okay, well, I guess this is over. Yeah, you die. <laughs> That's it. It's the end of the plot line. So uh, then a passerby asks her if she knows who he is, and she says that she's never seen him before and just leaves. Just leaves Harry dead in the street. Right. Uh, so then we cut to some more footage of oh. the 42nd Street area, and we see her looking really ragged and uh, talking to, I guess, another John. Yeah. And then uh, we get a freeze frame and credits. And uh, that was Fleshpot on 42nd Street. Yes, it was. All right. Well, uh, we'll go ahead and take another quick break here, and then we'll be back to give our thoughts on Fleshpot on 42nd Street. I hustle for a living. So do I. Everyone in this life does. Unless you're born into it, and then they're too miserable to appreciate anything. That's not what I mean. I know that. I make my living hustling. How much do you want? You're worth every penny of it. Oh, don't make fun of me. That's one thing I can't stand. I'm not making fun of you. I'm completely serious. If you want money, you can have it. I don't want money. Not from you. Clang a clong. Clit it on. Clit it on? Yeah. Oh, who is that? T-Rex? Uh, it's T-Sex. T-Sex. Okay. Yeah. Um, God. Remember when we watched the AVN Awards the other night? For oh, 90? yes. Uh, I don't know. I want to share that with our fans, but I'm not smart enough to put a video on anything. Uh, I shared it on Twitter, but I want to make like an Instagram like video of it. Okay. I need to figure that out. I'll just take a video of the screen that while I'm watching it. <laughs> anyway, uh, Randy West? Uh, yeah, was that him? I think that's who it was. He sings an amazing oh, yeah. song called Let's... We put the uh, X and Sex at the 93 AVN Awards with some hair metal band they rounded up from the gutter, perhaps. <laughs> um, uh, the Stingers, I believe it was. Yeah, the Stinkers. Yes. Yeah. Strange Show. It was the first AVN Awards we've watched, and uh, I imagine it can only get better. Uh, yeah, probably. At least the production values will, I'm assuming they work that out a little bit, because it was very, uh, pretty low rent. <laughs> <laughs> it's a, guy, a lot of guys in tuxedos with mullets. Uh, yes, for sure. <laughs> so I'm going to put the... X and Sex, and talk a little bit about what I thought of Fleshpot on 42nd Street. Uh, all right, well, you should do that. I'm doing it. All right, do you, it. You interrupted me. I'm sorry. It's okay. Uh, put the X and Sex. All right, here I go. Oh! Ow! Yeah. <laughs> Gotta adjust my bones first. Hold on. Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a pretty sight. Um... It sounds like my roommate's having sex in the other room. <laughs> Gross. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, so I want to think about Andy Milligan's classic slash Paul on 42nd Street. Yes. I think to myself, what a wonderful world. Oh, okay. Yeah. Just like Louis Armstrong before me. Yes. Um, overall, I, I pretty much I enjoyed this film. It's one of those kind of... Uh, those grimy 70s films that we, we talk about sometimes, and it's pretty uh, pretty nihilistic in tone a little bit. Yeah. Um, like, there's a lot of joking, but there's also, like, some kind of heavy moments. Right. Uh, honestly, one of the most, like, uh, I think with the scene with the most pathos is probably Cherry just having, like, kind of like a confession breakdown. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, 
you know, I think Andy Milligan had good reason to be pretty pessimistic in the mid seventies, uh, in the U S yeah. Yeah. Things weren't going great for us. Uh, just in general, they still kind of aren't, but, uh, at the time it was new. So people weren't numb to it yet. Right. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I would say, you know, on that level, it works really well as kind of like a portrait of, um, of America at that time and a specific place. Uh, it's not, it's not quite cinema verite or whatever they like to call it, but it's like a camp version of that. <laughs> um, so it's kind of fun while being kind of slimy and also being just a little bit downbeat. Right. Uh, the plot is something of like, kind of like, I don't want to say a hooker with a heart of gold. Um, like not at all. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, she's actually pretty terrible as a person. Right. Um, which is kind of neat. Um, cause usually like in these type of stories, like you get the Hollywood version about 20 years later and like the, and, uh, like pretty woman. Right. Um, which is the film I kept thinking about when Bob showed up. Right. Cause I was like, okay, he's just going to rescue her and she's going to have a good life. But then he just gets plowed by a car. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, which is hilarious. <laughs> yeah. Um, we'll say, uh, so, so from a story perspective, since it's not like quite as hardcore porn, there's a little bit more character development and stuff. Right. And what develops is a pretty uh, bad person, like a mm -hmm. portrait of someone who's really not great. She's pretty manipulative. Right. Like uh, she basically tells Cherry at one point, oh, we can't have friends come over because you never know who will come begging when she literally just oh, did yeah. the exact same thing. Yeah. Um, and he's kind of just mostly like a narcissist just kind of out on the look for herself because when Bob gets hit by a car, she's like, I don't know that guy and then just flees right? to the ferry. <laughs> um, so from that uh, sort of story aspect, I liked it a lot. Um, mm -hmm. uh, I thought the Bob stuff was a little slow. Right. But once again, that turn really, uh, the chef's kiss, you know? <laughs> yes. Uh, I'd say what lets this film down is definitely probably the production value or lack thereof. Right. Uh, the lighting is bad in a lot of scenes. Mm -hmm. And I know it's kind of probably intentional at first, but eventually you're just kind of like, I can't tell what's happening sometimes. I wonder if that's your TV. It could be like, my TV. Like, I'm not saying that the lighting is good, but it was never <laughs> to the point where I couldn't really make out what was happening. Sure. I believe that. My gamma is probably set all wrong or whatever. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I've got it saturated down to the bottom, so everything's black and white. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good. Yeah. Um, so I've been... Just watching everything in black and white and pretending it's the 1950s. Uh, you have a um, real uh, noir TV setup. Yeah. Um, but I'd say the technical value of the film kind of, eh, overall, you know, it's a yeah. made pretty cheap, looks right. pretty cheap. Uh, and it is a pretty cheap experience. <laughs> you know, it's cheap thrills. Yes. Um, I'm going to give it a three out of five. Okay. You know, check it out. If you're in the mood to uh, see what a campy, sort of uh, gritty, grimy tale of prostitution <laughs> and a, like a portrait of uh, old New York City. Yes. Yeah. Um, that was a long and rambling review. So I'm going to turn it over to Boss, who will hopefully have some ordered thoughts. Uh, 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 somewhat. I, I do. Uh... I think of this certainly more under the umbrella of exploitation film than I do just sex film. Right. Although there is a little bit of hardcore sex here, yeah. it is far outweighed by the grimy exploitation narrative here. Yeah. Uh, let's be fair, Laura Cannon's tits are kind of the star of the sex. Any of the sex scenes that happen? Uh, yes. Uh, Laura Cannon looks great in this yeah, film. She I think she looks, looks, she's looks a wonderful. She doesn't need to get a job. Yeah. She should just be able to fuck her man and yeah. Even <laughs> go if... along with life. Uh, but she definitely did not have a happy relationship with him regardless of that. So yeah. 
they were in a desperate situation, and that's kind of what her situation is throughout the film, is jumping from one desperate situation to another. Yeah. Uh, in this film, there is only one good person in the entire film, and that's Bob. Um, everybody else is manipulative and... Uh, very shallow, doing, very... Yeah. Very full of themselves, and... Uh, doing all kinds of amoral things, uh, immoral things. Yeah. To uh, yes, to uh, get get their way through life, but that's also kind of a fairly accurate uh, representation of desperate people. Yeah, uh, yeah. You know, so in that sense, it it certainly works. Um, one of the things that came to mind to me when I watched this movie was uh the film angel uh that was, was about 11 about, years later yeah, angel too. um this strikes a completely different tone than angel yeah angel's a lot more fun yeah angel's a lot more fun this is a, more bleak <laughs> doesn't have a serial killer who just sucks an egg <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh and uh while angel's uh cross-dressing hooker friend uh is a lot of fun Laura Cannon's uh, Dusty character, her cross-dressing hooker friend, is mean kind of, like everybody else. Mean and kind of pathetic. Yes. Yeah, they've uh, really built up like a big self-image that they have to just keep living every day. Right. Yeah. Good character development on like a couple of the characters, to be honest. Yeah. Another thing that I think about, and I just kind of thought about it when you were talking about it, was the uh, hooker with a heart of gold angle. Right. Uh, in this case, it's more of a John with the heart of gold angle. Yeah. Because, again, he is the only, like, person, like, he doesn't do anything selfish or mean in the film. And everybody else does. Yeah. She's uh, a hooker with a heart of mold. Uh, yes. Because, <laughs> uh, I mean, you know, she fucks over her uh, lover at the beginning, Tony. But Tony's also an asshole himself uh, right. when he comes home and is yelling at her. Um, <laughs> my cat's now climbing her way All right, she's through safe. the room. Okay, she made it after knocking a bunch of shit over. Yeah. Um, At least that car parade stopped. Do what? At least that car parade stopped. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we had that going for us. <laughs> but, um, you know, overall, I think that it's an interesting kind of slice of life character study situation. Mm-hmm. Um, and in that sense, it works really well. Um, I do think that pretty much all around the acting is good. Yeah. Um, like, and that's in, in a way that's almost atypical of this type of film. Right. Um, you can definitely cast some uh, judgments on some of the production choices and um the way that certain things were shot in the film and you know that comes down to its low budget production but i think that the actual performances uh don't really leave a whole lot of room for uh serious criticism no not at all um you know dusty is believable cherry is believable all these people are pretty believable in their roles so mm -hmm. so that's it's it's all very interesting um, you know, even Bob, whose character is probably has less depth than anybody else. Yeah, he exists to die. <laughs> yes, he does. Um, even he kind of feels believable in his role. He seems kind of naive to the grimy world that Dusty is coming from. Right. But at the same time, he seems to acknowledge her experience and everything. And uh, really, he just kind of lives out of his world of privilege and uh is kind of carefree in comparison to everybody else and you know you have all these people who are living their miserable lives stabbing each other in the back and the only person in the film that really suffers above everybody else is the one good guy in the film yeah and in that sense it kind of feels like a almost marquis de sade type story sure uh you know in the same sense that like the uh the justine tale is about, you know, a girl who tries to do good and is just completely, uh, you know, sexually violated and emotionally beaten up over the course of the story. Gently um, hit with a Dodge Plymouth. 
Uh, (laughs) In this case, Bob just had one thing happen, but, uh, you know, it was the big thing, death. (laughs) So, uh, and everybody else is just keeping going on doing what they're doing. So uh, the world just keeps turning and uh, everything's miserable for everybody. And that is the world according to Andy Milligan. So uh, at the end of the day, I really kind of like it on an intellectual level as far as just being that slice of life of grimy 42nd street of the Mm seventies. And for that reason, I give it three and a half stars. Uh, If I was rating it just as a sex film, I would rate it pretty low because there's not really that much sex. Right. But uh, this one narratively lands with me. So three and a half stars. That's a good assessment of it. All right. Any final thoughts on flesh pot? No good deed goes unpunished. Uh, yes. yes. So this was released as a limited edition pressing by Vinegar Syndrome. Uh, I believe it is completely sold out and unavailable at this point. Uh, Severin Films is working on an Andy Milligan box set, okay. which may be announced before this is even released, because sure. they're supposed to release a box set in February, and so it should be announced pretty soon. But... Uh, uh, if you do have a chance to see it, I would recommend it, and perhaps the other films of Andy Milligan as well, although uh, I'll need to see more before I can say that for sure, but uh, that's Fleshpot. All right, so uh, <laughs> uh, Jeremy's giggling on the other side of the table. Uh, it's time to wrap this one up, uh, and we will do so. So again... Uh, Tell friends about our podcast, rate, review, subscribe, follow us on social media, and all of that good stuff. Uh, In the meantime, though, help us keep 42nd Street alive, and don't forget your raincoat.